All right. Welcome, everybody. We are on episode one of Mind-Bending Leadership. My name is Seth Campbell. I'm your host, and I live to help you build your leadership. Today, we are going to jump into one of my favorite subjects of all. And it's like the perfect starting point, I think, um, for anybody in their leadership journey. And always think about leadership. It's such a big word. It's such a big definition. Uh, Who are leaders? My answer is everybody's a leader. Um, At some point, somebody pays attention to you, what you do, what you say. It could be your child. It could be your loved ones. It could be your, your peers. You lead people. You influence people. Everybody's a leader. It's not something that's earned by title. Uh, titles are given out. Leadership is earned. And we all start with it. So uh, all of us have leadership. All of us should work to develop our leadership because it shows up uh, not just at work, but at home. And I think you'll find that too. So I want to start right away with episode one, the triangle of all triangles. This is one, uh, if you've been around me, we've talked about it before. And it actually was invented, uh, it was discovered rather by a psychologist back in the 1970s, uh, Stephen Karpman. That's uh, K-A-R-P-M-A-N. And this is something that you're probably going to want to do some research on. You probably want to Google it. You want to look at pictures. You want to read stuff about it. And what this guy discovered, man, it is a powerful, powerful thing that is so relevant to us in every parts of our lives. And this is one of these things that we live in. All of us live in it. We live in it all the time. And it is not healthy. It impacts and degrades relationships and leadership all across the board. And it's one of those things that you want to keep your eye on all the time and teach everybody around you, the Cartman Triangle. You may have heard it before, known as the Victim Triangle. And um, it's been referenced in a lot of books, and yet it's something that we, in my opinion, just don't talk about enough. So I wanted to bring that right up and and go right there and kind of walk through it real quick, send you off to do some more research on it, and, um, and think about and start to identify where it shows up inside of your life, inside of your leadership, at home, at work, wherever you are, and um, and then give you some tips and tools on how to navigate out of it and navigate those around you uh, out of it also. So here's what you want to do. You're listening to this. You want to draw this out and, um, and and hopefully you're ready to take some notes. So just draw like a, a like an upside down triangle on a piece of paper. So that would be like the point is down. You know, the single point is down and the and the other two points are up. And on the bottom of the triangle, the bottom point, so it's like a V, right? The bottom of the, the triangle, uh, write the word victim. That's role number one. Up at the top left, that person, their role is their persecutor, sometimes known as the bully. And then on the top right, that corner, that person is the rescuer. That's their role, um, otherwise known as the savior. Now, um, here's the funny thing is, like I said earlier, we do this all the time. And the the interesting part is the research has shown it's more prevalent in the United States than in other countries. Uh, You want to guess why that is, by the way? The keyword goes back to when I said role. It's actually because most of movies and books, the storyline, if you think about it, these are characters that uh, almost every movie is made. Like there's a hero. There's a victim, there's a persecutor. That's the the environment that we grow up in. All the books are written by that. It's the storyline. It's the hero's journey. And and so we are programmed at a very young age. Like, here's a role. So that's why when we see it, 
and we experience it for the, the people that were around in our workplaces, we're like, oh, uh, I know what I'm the role I'm supposed to play here. This is where I'm supposed to be the victim or this is where I'm supposed to be the hero because, you know, I grew up watching all these movies. I already know that. I know exactly what role to play. I know how to play it. You don't have to teach me because I've already learned it. So it's so embedded inside uh, American culture that um, uh, that it is just dominant. It's something that we live by all the time. It's also more prevalent studies show um, in families that deal with addiction, um, a dysfunction family, uh, anything like that. So alcohol, drugs, any type of addiction. Um, you'll see this, this, uh, the Cartman triangle, uh, exists more. So let's talk through this. And, um, for a lot of us, you may be like, oh my gosh, you're describing my childhood. You're describing my home life right now. You're describing my workplace. Um, and that's okay. It's totally okay because, uh, it's probably true for all of us. So the victim, um, now right down here on the keyword of the victim is helpless. Um, and, and y'all know what the victim is and think about the victim as a draw. They're, they're very much like, a, uh, like a, a, a pull you in a tractor beam, a victim very much, um, uh, starts a lot of these triangles and, um, and it's the most common entry point, by the way, um, the, the research shows that each one of us has a natural entry point called a gateway. So there's one of these three roles that you like more, you play more, you play better, you play more often. Um, and, and it's just more natural to you. So the victim is, uh, think about, you know, at work, there's a lot of victims, um, and it's easy to become. And by the way, it's not always as heavy as it feels. It's not always as serious. It feels. It could be so light. It could be like, Hey, nobody taught me how to do that. I'm not sure how to do that. I don't know how to do that. It, it could be that simple, that light. And it could start this triangle and these three people jump into this role, play into it. And they actually start to switch roles, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but the victim is, you know, feels oppressed, feels ashamed, feels powerless, feels incapable. So just remember the key word, I'm going to give you some of the shortcuts here. The key word to identify if you're in victim mode or somebody around you is in victim mode is helpless. Helpless. Now we're in a world where there are real victims and, and real offenses. And um, so sometimes this subject can be touchy in the sense of like, okay, don't call everybody a victim. There are real victims. Yes. The key word here is a state of helplessness, right? Do we know victims of crimes who don't afterwards take on a state of helpless? They can take on a state of empowerment, right? Um, so this is about a state of being. It's a mindset. This is not like um, a, a, an action that happened, uh, like a crime. So that just be careful when you use these words, uh, uh, especially now these days. So victim is somebody's in a state of helplessness and, and they're in that mode and, and helpless is the key thing. There's a disempowerment. Now, what does every victim have to have? This is key. Every victim must have a persecutor. Otherwise they can't be a victim. So that's how you know the triangle exists because every victim must have a persecutor. And for some people who are naturally uh, tilted towards being in a state of victim, in that state of mind, um, if they run out of persecutors, they'll find a new one. They actually will search for a persecutor. Have you met the person that keeps leaving jobs as a victim just to like go find or, or you know, the, the relationship, the person who's uh, in a state of uh, victim and disempowerment in every relationship, and they literally search for the next persecutor. Um, that's because the programming of being stuck in this triangle, it's very sad. So now let's talk about the persecutor. The persecutor is known as the bully 
uh, a lot of times. And um, they are very critical. They put others down. They blame. They point the finger. Um, they, they, they have an oppressive thing. They, they just want to hold people uh, hold people down. Um, they're driven by anger. That is a key distinction and resentment. So think anger, resentment, anger, resentment is a key like identifier of the persecutor, just like helpless, hopeless is a key identifier of the victim. And then when those two people are together, the triangle is incomplete because they must attract, it's a tractor beam. They pull in a rescuer, otherwise known as a savior. And this is the role that we do. We play. And some of us are more apt to jump in at that gateway point as the savior. The savior, some people are over aggressive savers. Like they want to, you, do you have the family member or the person who's trying to help everybody that doesn't even want help? Like, it's like, whoa, calm down. Like, I don't even want your help. I don't even need it. Um, they, they almost cross the line. How about um, a, a lot of saviors, they feel guilty for not rescuing somebody. It's, it's my fault that they didn't, um, that I didn't help them. And, and they feel a, a total dependency and a necessity to go save this person or save this situation. So now that kind of leans us towards, um, uh, so, so guilt and shame actually become great identifiers of a rescuer. You think that's a victim thing. No, no, no. Guilt and shame tend to be the identifiers of a rescuer because they, they're driven by this, this need to save the hero. Um, it's not like a pride thing like you, like you might consider. So now here's what's interesting, and this kind of sets up the, the next part of it, is the move. Pick that one. Pick the savior, the rescuer. What did I say they feel if they don't save, they don't rescue? They start to feel guilt. They start to feel shame. And I should have. I should have. Now, who are they talking about there? They actually start to sound a lot like the victim. And, and this is what happens. So um, it, we actually jump in this triangle and, and naturally, instead of escaping the triangle, breaking it, our tendency, our training, our programming is to stay in the triangle and switch roles. So now, um, and here's a great work example is like, hey, the boss is being mean to me, da, da, da. They're picking on me, da, da, da. Let me go to this person. And then you go to that person and that person like, well, that's crazy. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to go tell the boss like, hey, lay off that person or at home, like mom's yelling at son and dad jumps in and says like, hey, give him a break. Um, I, you know, I need to rescue him. So now what happens is um, then immediately what happens? Persecutors like, whoa, you're picking on me. Like, don't. And now the persecutor can become the victim. And, and now we got to go make the victim, the persecutor, like, why'd you go tell, you know, why'd you go tell on the boss or, or the person, the victim gets mad at the rescuer. Why'd you go tell the boss? I told you that in confidence. Like, don't go tell now they're mad at me. And now, now, like, uh, now as the victim, I become the persecutor of the rescuer. The rescuer is now, um, the, the persecutor and the boss becomes the victim. Like it's crazy. So we can just keep playing inside these roles all, the, all day long, all the time. And we do this nonstop. Think about it today, like go pay attention and, and think about how many triangles you jump in and how many triangles you pull people in. And by the way, you're just playing your programming, what you grew up in. So um, to think about it, it's, it's, it's so prevalent. Let's talk about the path out. Cause I know like, you know, you're solution-based and you're like, okay, that's cool. I get it. How do I stop this madness? How do I stop this madness? 
there is a lot of stuff out there. Now, what's interesting is Cartman never actually came out with um, the solution. He came up with many different levels. Like I think he wrote a book called The Great Game of Life or A Game of Life, and he gave out like, oh, here's what it looks like. Here's the game inside the office. Here's the game inside the alcoholic family. Here's the game inside a relationship. Here's a game inside of dating. Here's the game inside of like all these different things and never really gave out the solution. Now, others since then have come out with solutions and I th- and there's a lot of different ones out there. And I think that um, the most common ones like the empowerment dynamic, um, the, the uh, empowerment triangle, um, you'll hear things like that. You can Google it and it's pretty cool. I'll give you like where most of them go. I think one key thing on the path out of this, one of the things that I haven't really read anywhere um, that I'm a fan of is you, you often hear me talk about the fuel is I think that the, the, the beginning of all transformation is awareness. And, and I think the greatest awareness in your leadership journey can be the fuel is what I call it. Like, like what is the, the gasoline that powers this activity that we're doing as a human that's either working for us or not working for us? It's either working to my benefit or working against it. And, and I call that the fuel. And remember, there's two core emotions uh, underneath everything. And so look for the fuel of fear. The fuel of love is going to be the path out of it. So what is the fuel of fear? That's a weird thing. You'll get used to it. The fuel of fear for the victim. What is the fuel of fear for the victim? And I think I understanding that will help you and help us understand like how to get out of it. And when I'm being the victim, uh, why that is. The fuel of fear of the victim tends to be actually um, avoiding, I'm, I'm afraid to take responsibility. I'm afraid of the risk. I'm afraid of being empowered. I'm afraid it's, it's actually safer. If I have no options, it's safer to be hopeless. It's safer to not have to actually fix it. I'm scared to be vulnerable. I'm scared to take a chance of fixing this myself because Maybe I'll fail. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm listening to those stories. So the fuel of fear is actually, I'm scared to be vulnerable. I'm scared to put myself out there. I'm scared to, I'm scared to take responsibility. The fuel of fear of the prosecutor, what would cause somebody to be dominant, to be aggressive, to be angry, to be critical? The fuel of fear for them also goes back to vulnerability. It goes back to, uh, I'm not good enough. I don't feel good enough about myself. It's classic bully syndrome. The bully's insecure, so that's why the bully bullies. Yeah, the bully's insecure because he's he's also, she's also in pain. Also, probably been bullied. Also been in this triangle, probably in one of the other two roles so long that they don't even know how to ask for help. So the fuel of fear for the persecutor is, is it's a control. It's a, it's a feeling, it's a loss of control, just fake. So I feel like I got to take control through aggression. It's being fake. The fuel of fear for the rescuer. Also, think about it. It's so similar. Not good enough. Like, I don't feel good enough about myself, so I must get my sense of self-worth from saving others. I, I don't feel like um, anybody likes me. I don't feel like um, I'm loved. I feel insignificant. I feel like I'm only here 
I'm only useful by helping others, by saving others. And by the way, for anybody that's stuck in that, right, in the Enneagram called the helper, they stay there too long and it's driven by that. Uh, inevitably, they don't get the uh, gratitude that they felt like they deserve and they go to resentment, which moves them over to persecutor. And hence they stay in the triangle. So the fuel of fear is always rooted in lack in all three of these lack. I'm not good enough. I'm missing this. I'm short something from childhood. And, and all of us have those stories we're anger to. So then we know the path out of all things um, towards the positive is going to be the, the, the love fuel. So what's the fuel of love inside of these? Well, let's talk about it. So right next to these, you can, some people draw a triangle that flips the other way. Um, you can do that where you, I'll give you the words of transformation. So now we want to move the victim. We want them to become what's called the creator. So we want to move the victim to creator. How do they do that? So if you're in victim mode or when you go to victim mode, cause you will, cause I do, cause we all do. Um, and when you, when you identify somebody else in victim mode, um, our role is to help that person become creator. So essentially, we want to move them from hopeless to hopeful. That's, that's the key thing to write down and remember. I, uh, this person needs options. How do you install hope? You create options. You help them identify the options that are already there that they're ignoring. So how do we do that? Is, okay, if I'm in victim mode, what are my options here? What are my options here? Um, and if, you're in, if a victim is pulling you in, Maybe you're naturally a rescuer. We're going to move you to what's called coach um, is, is you're going to say, Hey, start naming some of your options, start naming some of your options. And by the way, like if you, how many times have, have you tried to be coached to a victim and they don't want to hear options. They just want to complain or be a victim. They're going to fire you and go find a new rescuer. Right. I mean, that's, that's the person doesn't want to get out of the triangle. And, and we've all seen that too. So now as a victim, options, that's the key. I need to go from hopeless to hopeful. Options, 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 options. That's the shortcut. There's a whole bunch of books on this. It goes very, very deep. I'm giving you the absolute shortcut. What are my options? Start naming them. Start listing them. Um, one of the other ways out of victim is gratitude. Uh, anytime that you're upset, you know, go to gratitude. What am I grateful for? What are my options? What am I grateful for? What are my options? Now, the savior rescuer, we're going to move that person to coach. Now, there's a, there's a fine line between I'm rescuing you and I'm saving you and I'm coaching you. What's the line? The line is it's your job to, it's your job to do the work. I'll help you list out your options. It's on you. Like that's the line. Um, so I'll help you. I'll help you, but it's up to you to do the work. Um, I care about you. I know you're capable. I'm going to be here with you. You're going to solve it. That's the line. Um, so I'm going to empower and do that. So now if I am in rescue mode, how do I get out of it? Okay. Whew. I really feel like I need to take this person's problem. I really feel like I need to own it. That's what I usually do. I, uh, they need me that I have to, I'm not good enough. If I don't, nope, I'm going to, I'm going to like coach, not do. I'm going to, I'm going to ask questions, not give answers. I'm going to help them name their options. And I'm going to this tough love say, okay, how will you do that?
then when will you, when will you do that? Uh, you're more than capable. Yeah. Will I encourage? Heck yeah. I mean, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Not, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. So now I've got to make sure that my sense of self-worth comes from seeing somebody else solve their own stuff, not from needing me. So do you see how easy it is to get stuck into this? If I'm in lack, I'm probably not going to switch from rescuer to coach. I need this person. I need to keep, I need this to be this person's savior. I need that for myself. It's selfish. You know, when I'm out of lack and I'm in love, I love this person so much. I'm helping them solve their own problems and be right there with them. They're going to do the work. And if they don't, it's going to be tough to watch. I'm going to keep encouraging them to solve their own stuff. That's that. Now, the persecutor. We move the bully, the persecutor, from persecutor to challenger. This is a really tough one because <laughs> if you think the thin line between rescuer and coach is thin, the thin line between persecutor and challenger is much thinner. Um, so now the idea, because you notice I didn't say you move them from persecutor to like lay down the guard and lay down the weapons. No, because what if there really is an issue? What if you're the boss? They didn't do their job. They're falling short. They're in victim mode. I don't just say like, oh, okay, well, I'll back off. And like, it's okay that you like don't do anything. And, you know, we go bankrupt. No, they have to do their job. I need to become a challenger, not a persecutor. I need to go from bully to challenge. Okay, so here's the fine line is um, it's back to empowerment again. I'm going to empower you and I'm holding a standard. So a key word there is boundary. Um, and I think when I think about the thin line of um, persecutor to challengers, one that I've struggled with many times also, is um, it goes back to who am I being? If I'm being the persecutor and, and I'm in lack, I'm probably taking it personal. Man, this person is doing this on purpose. They're lazy. I'm in judgment. I'm critical. Like I, when they don't do what they're supposed to do, it's offensive to me. I'm in trouble when I'm there because then I'm going to persecute. Like I'm taking it personal. My kid's talking back to me. That's a lot of respect. Like I'm taking it personal. Now, when I don't take it personal, because, hey, I'm good enough. I'm strong enough. People love me. You know, uh, what is that movie where the, the guy used to have to look in the mirror and do the affirmation? Um, yeah, it's like that. When I feel like I'm okay, just the way I am, and this person fell short, my kid's not doing what they're supposed to do, I can draw a boundary. And I say like, hey, son, like if you choose not to do your schoolwork, you don't get screen time, your choice. Now, a rescuer, like, oh, my gosh, I feel like I got to help. Nope. I was victim. That's not fair. It's too much work. Okay. I understand you feel that way. Here's the line. Our agreement is you do schoolwork, you get screen time. You choose not to do schoolwork, you don't get screen time. Hey, Mr. And Mrs. Employee or coworker, our agreement is you hit XYZ result. You don't hit XYZ result, you don't get your compensation, or maybe you don't keep your job. I believe in you. I'm cheering for you. I'm, I'm here to help you. You got to do it. If you don't do it, it's your choice. I'm empowering you, but I and I'm holding a boundary. I'm challenging. So that is the, the distinction. I don't take it personal. You don't do it. It's almost sad. You've quit. I don't want to see my son cry and not get screen time, yet he doesn't do his schoolwork. He's not in screen time. It's his choice. So the key 
line of moving from persecutor to challenger, don't take it personal. Draw the line, let them choose. And don't be a jerk about it. That's the whole thing is like, you can do that with love. With fear, I'm taking it personal. I'm not, I'm insignificant. So I got to like try to force this person, got to try to control them. Why do you control anybody? I can't control anybody anyway. My job is to love them. Draw the line. If you want screen time, do your work. You want your raise, do your work. You want the win, do your work. You want a promotion? Here's the line. Do it. I'm cheering for you. I'm helping you. I'll give you all the resources. Your choice. That's a challenger. So that is the triangle. Think about it. It's sometimes it's very serious stuff. Sometimes it's very light stuff. And yet it's all day, every day, because we were programmed to play these roles. And boy, do we play them well. I know I do. So the number one thing in your leadership journey is recognize this through awareness. Move towards the center. Center is like I'm getting out of myself, my lack, my taking it personal, my role, because nobody wins. Everybody suffers in this. Relationships are destroyed. Companies are destroyed. Communication is destroyed. People exit. Then they go find, recruit new victims, new persecutors, new saviors. Triangles are formed all the time. So when I recognize this in my leadership at home, at work, wherever it may be, I'm going to move towards the center. If I'm in victim or I see a victim, I'm going to help them. I'm going to help them become a creator of their own destiny. What are your options? You can do this. Create. If I am in rescue or savior mode, or I see somebody in rescue or savior mode, I'm going to help them become a coach. Hey, that's on them to do. How can you coach them? How can you love them without taking it over for them? When I am in persecutor mode or I see a persecutor at home, at work, in my leadership journey, hey, taking that personal. This isn't about you. Draw a boundary. Empower them. Challenge them. Love them enough to give them the opportunity and if they choose not to do it, we're still going to love them. Maybe they got to go though. Maybe, but it's their choice and it's not on you. Be a challenger. Be a supportive challenger with love. All right. That's what I got for you on episode one today. Go forward in your leadership journey. I'm here for you and keep in touch. Let me know how I can help you. <laughs>